Welcome to Sinister Junk Mail. I'm Kate Lassay. And I'm Susie Turner. Hi, everyone. Oh, hey. We hope you enjoyed our episode last week on frogging. The lovers with walls in between them. Yeah. Unless they pop out of the walls, like the one in the closet. That was gross. Wait, yeah, the guy in the closet yeah. trying on her clothes and stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, he at least complimented her. and He was my favorite one, for wanted sure. wanted to give her a hug. Yeah. Yeah. It was sweet. Yeah. And the old lady eating all the food. That was funny, too. Yeah. Well, anyways, we hope you all had a lovely Valentine's Day last week. Yeah. <laughs> it's not today. <laughs> yeah, it's not today. So, first off, Pardon I love our voices. We both have colds. Yeah. Because our kids hate us. I don't sound much different than normal. No, no, no. You wouldn't even notice. Yeah. Yeah. She just, you know, has that like same manly voice at all times. Really, really attractive. Did you, have you ever heard the term vocal fry? No. I I just learned it recently. Apparently the the thing in my voice, like the raspy, you know, that's, they call that vocal fry, except for, I think some women only have that happen when they drop to like lower registers. And apparently it's like something people don't like. Apparently it's unattractive. You know, when I first met you, I went, ooh. That is, that she's is really, she's a 10, but her voice. Yeah. <laughs> if she just shuts the fuck up, yeah. I would bang her. But she keeps Thank talking, you. so oh she's God. a one. That's so sweet. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I had no idea that this was an unappealing sound, apparently. But my voice does it all the time, not only in the lower register. So maybe I don't count. I don't know. I think that's just you. Let us know. Send us your mail podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> Do you think it's hot when a woman sounds like yeah. a man? Yeah. Right, us it. Sinister man or like has a, a permacold or whatever. Any of those things. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Well. Who knows? Tonight, yeah. we just both have. Um, Snot and coughs <laughs> and we look great. We are so But well, we hot. do look fine. We sound something else. Yeah. I think yeah. other than my nose is a little red, um, which my daughter pointed out. And I was like, Aww. yeah, thanks. Sweet of yeah. her. Yeah. I love that. I was like, it's because I'm like, brutally honest. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, um, I was like, that's because I've been blowing my nose every five Why fucking minutes. Why does your minutes. face look like that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but otherwise, we did a our little Valentine's Day photo shoot tonight because we are a week ahead with recording. And, and not a week ahead with pictures because yeah. we both kind of hate them. Well, and we, yes, we do. Because you know why? We ha- usually have my three-year-old daughter screaming her head off in the background that <laughs> she doesn't get to be in every single picture with us. So it's really a lot of fun. And we both get really weird and awkward. Yeah, we do. We don't know how to take pictures. It's we rough. don't. It is. Well, That's I think okay, my favorite, though. though, is I was reviewing the pictures because uh, Alex, my her husband, husband <laughs> was taking them. And I'm not kidding. <laughs> Every picture, it was like we rotated blinks. Yeah. So like one picture I was blinking, the next one you were blinking. It was just so fucked. We we criticize him every time he does such a bad job. And now he's like terrified. So he just like tap, 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 tap. At least five billion pictures. He's like, there's got to be a good one in here somewhere. Well, I think um, what tipped us off that he wasn't a photographer is when he held the camera and he went, is it going to be hamburger or hot dog? <laughs> so, are you fucking with me? I think Horizontal that's- or vertical? That doesn't. That but, question is really all you need to know about my husband. <laughs> um, this, folks, is what you call a soldier. Yeah. So tonight we're talking about Christopher Watts and the Watts family murders. Chris Watts was a family annihilator. Is, I guess. He's still alive. So he is a family Fuck annihilator. Him. Yep. In prison now. So with that, I'm just going to jump right into the story. Let's do it. So on August 13th, 2018. Oh, Shit, this is yes, really recent. It was recent. And I think a lot of, re- uh, I think the reason a lot of podcasts have been like kind of hesitant to touch this one is because it's recent. Mm-hmm. When I watched the documentary on this story, it really stuck with me and it just mm-hmm. is infuriating. And I know that a lot of people know this story by now, but there's, we have some details in this, um, our episode that I had a really hard time finding in my research. They're not just like easily available. So hopefully we'll bring some, you know, shed some new light on the situation for some people at least. Okay. So on August 13th, 2018, Shanann Watts and her two daughters, Bella, who was four, and Celeste, who was three, were reported missing from their home in Frederick, Colorado. I can already tell I'm going to hate this. You are going to hate it. Yeah. Shanann was 34 years old at the time. And additionally, she was 15 weeks pregnant, a little boy who was to be named Nico. Yeah. Shanann and the girls were reported missing, not by Shanann's husband, but by her friend and colleague, Nicole Atkinson. Just one day after his wife and kids were reported, Christopher, or Chris, Watts, husband to Shanann and father to Bella and Celeste, 
went onto the local news to talk about his wife and daughters pleading for their safe return. Oh, okay, good. So mm-hmm. he's a victim. Yeah, he's the victim here. And a liar, because obviously he knew they were not coming back. Right. When speaking with a reporter for the local news station KMGH, Chris said, quote, If somebody has her and they're not safe, I want them back now. He continued with, That's what is in my head. If they're safe right now, they're going to come back. But if they're not safe right now, that's the not knowing part. So whatever the fuck that means. What does that mean? He went on this like 10 to 15 minute like ramble session in front of local news cameras, like pleading for them to come home and just like it's word salad is what it was. Wow. Well, because he wasn't talking from the heart. Yeah. And he I want to get to it. But yeah, he had this weird, creepy fucking smile on his face like the whole time, like half smile. He did not look like a, a man in despair you know, desperate to find his wife and kids. If my husband and kids were missing, there would be no smile. I would be like, I'd probably be so hysterical. Words wouldn't be coming out of my mouth. Yeah. The case was already starting to gain traction within the media because of the situation. Right. But the comments Chris made on TV sparked a fire with the public that started drawing in even more attention because it went from like this serious situation with two little girls missing and a wife to like, now we've got this guy on TV talking about it. And he, like anyone who watches that footage goes, what the fuck? There's something off about this. Oh, I don't like this. And just a couple of days later, after that interview aired, Chris Watts was arrested for the murders of his wife and two daughters after a six hour long police interrogation. Damn. Yeah. It went pretty quickly. Thank, thank God. This yeah. is one of those cases where they did a really good job just okay, wrapping good. it up pretty quickly, which we don't see a lot. So it's good. So I'm going to give you a little bit of background. Chris Watts and Shanann Ruchek met in 2010 while living in different cities in North Carolina. They met over Facebook when Chris sent Shanann a friend request, and just two years later, they were married on November 3rd of 2012. Shanann Watts pretty much lived on Facebook. She worked for a multi-level marketing company, you know, the MLM campaigns like the Skinny Tea or like they'll sell something and then they'll, hey girl, you want to buy my stuff? The company that she worked for sold health supplements. And she used Facebook as a means to share not only her work, but her entire life with the public. So in addition to like frequent posting, she also did live videos on Facebook multiple times a day. That's, oh, wow. I know, right? It's got to be like, I don't know how people have the energy to do that stuff. I don't either. And like, honestly, nine times out of 10, my hair is like up in a messy bun or yeah. in a clip. Am I wearing makeup? No. Mm-mm. Am I presentable? No. Like, I don't want to be talking to the public. No. And I have nothing to say. No. Not that frequently. And like, even the people who go live, like that I've seen, it's not, it's usually like not often like that. It's, but this was like every day, multiple times a day. It's got to be exhausting. What is she going live? To talk about her products that she's selling That's and also okay. show her family. So she was actually trying pretty hard to sell this like image of a perfect American family. Oh. Yeah. So in 2013, Chris and Shanann, who was pregnant with her first child, Bella, at the time, moved from North Carolina to Frederick, Colorado, where they lived for the duration of their relationship. And that is a small city right outside of Denver. Okay. So from this point on, Shanann's Facebook page became littered with perfect family, happy life photos and videos of of her and her family. And it seemed as though they were living this picture perfect life. Like we, uh... We see people do this, you know? Yeah. In reference to Shanann's Facebook page, Carrie Danes, a consultant, forensic psychologist, and criminal profiler who analyzed the Chris Watts case said, a picture may paint a thousand words, but it doesn't tell you the full truth. Very rarely is somebody as gorgeous as they appear on Instagram or as successful as they look on LinkedIn or as smugly happy as they look on their Facebook timeline. I mean, she's not wrong. We've had this conversation. It's the ones who try really hard to show the world that they're very, very happy. Well, they're trying. It's not as it appears. Exactly. And I think that they're trying to almost like convince themselves that they're happy. Yeah. Because if the world thinks they're happy, then maybe they really are. Yeah. You know. But even I just found it very interesting that this profiler psychologist who's like on, you know, analyzed this case, like even when she said this in the documentary I watched, I went, oh, my God, of course, that's true. That's what we always talk about. It's yeah. interesting to know that this is how the, you know, most of the rest of the world sees it as well. So what you're saying is we should be criminal profilers. That's exactly what I was saying. We basically already are. I know. <laughs> I mean, I've taken enough fucking criminal justice classes. Let's do this. And by enough, we mean one and a half. No, I'm just kidding. I'm I've taken more than that. Two and a half. <laughs> okay, so 
Now, around 2 a.m. on August 13th, 2018, Shanann returned home from a four-day business trip to Arizona. She was dropped off at her home by the same friend who would later report her missing, and that was Nicole Atkinson, the woman we talked about in the beginning. The Watts family door cam captured video footage of Shanann entering her home upon return, and this is the last time she was ever seen again by the public. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the following afternoon, Nicole alerted the police after her many texts and phone calls to Shanann went unanswered. So she showed up to the home that Chris and Shanann shared and waited for the police to arrive. Okay. So was she that alarmed because she's usually... they had just been together on this trip. Mm -hmm. She dropped her off at 2 a.m. She left, but Shanann also had a doctor's appointment the following morning to like uh, for the baby stuff. Oh, okay. She didn't show up to that. She did not answer calls and texts. And yes, this is a woman who was constantly on her phone and she'd been calling her for like hours. Oh, okay. So a little while later, Chris Watts also showed up to the house after apparently rushing home from the oil plant where he worked. He initially told Nicole and the police that Shanann had planned to take the girls to a friend's house that morning. But the odd thing about this was that her car was still sitting in the garage. Hmm. So she's gone. The girls are gone. Car's still here. No one knows what the fuck's going on. Okay. He was really cooperative with the police. He let them into his house. Nicole came into his house um, and they were all kind of like looking for Shanann and the girls together, just like yelling their names. But inside the house, they found Shanann's phone, credit card, keys Mm -hmm. and other personal belongings. But there was no sign of either her or the girls. Another thing they found inside the house that was very concerning was Shanann's wedding ring, which she normally never took off. Oh, Mm -hmm. so. The thing that's really interesting about this case is that there is a ton of body cam footage from the Mm -hmm. police. Like you get to see literally every detail of this as it goes down. And I highly recommend watching it. Um, Yeah. It's scary to see someone able to behave this way after they've done such a vicious thing. That's terrible. But in this body cam footage from the officers who searched the home, you can see Chris picking up the ring and staring at it while he mumbles, it was on the nightstand next to the bed. And it really is like pretty disturbing footage. I know that doesn't what? sound, it sounds innocuous sort of, but like yeah. him like looking at it going like, this was on the nightstand next to the bed. Like it almost felt like he was implying that she just like took it off and left it there to right. hurt him or something, which like, what are you doing, man? I don't know. It's the whole thing's weird. Yeah. So after they discovered the ring, Chris told the officers that he and Shanann were having recent problems in their marriage. And before leaving for work that morning, he had suggested to her that they separate. He told the police that they were both pretty emotional about it and they both cried. What Chris didn't realize at the time is that he was like already giving clues to the police that he was guilty. Really? Yeah. At one point, one of the officers asked Chris what time Shanann got home and he responds with 1.48. Exactly. Holy shit. Yeah. I watched a documentary that had a criminal profiler, a forensic linguist, Mm -hmm. and a body language analyst expert who kind of broke down, watched this footage and analyzed it. So I wrote some notes about it. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's really interesting. I figured we would just kind of bring that into it because it explains like, you know, how they're picking up on this stuff. So he says 148. And then Don Archer, who is a professor of linguistics, who analyzed this footage, points out that normally people would round up and just say something like 150. But Chris does not hesitate for even a second. He is absolutely sure about the time that he gives the police officers. The officer then asks Chris, Did you guys sleep for a little while? And Chris answers with, oh, yeah, I was passed out when she got home. Then how do you know what time? Exactly. How do you know it was exactly 148 if you were asleep when she got home? First clue. And this small admission now becomes a huge red flag in the investigation. It implies that there is a possibility Chris was up and waiting for her. Yeah. So the officers continue to question Chris. And you can see both Chris and another one of the officers on the body cam footage. The one asking the questions is the one wearing the camera. Okay. And you can literally see the other police officer who's on screen with him looking back and forth between Chris and the officer who's asking the questions. And it's clear on his face that he does not believe Chris's story for a second. He's like, are you listening to this? Are you hearing this sort of looks? You Mm -hmm. know, I guarantee you they had a feeling about this. Yeah. That gut feeling. Yeah. Something's not right. Telling you something. Yeah. Yeah. Even as a spectator watching this footage, you're going, this isn't right. Yeah. So up until now, most people believed that Chris and Shanann were happy in their marriage based off of her Facebook posts. Right. And I mentioned that she was an oversharer. She would post these videos and messages on her timeline, but she was like praising her husband like often like, oh, he's such a great dad, such a great husband. Look at him doing this stuff for me all the time, you know. 
In her videos, Shanann describes Chris as the man of her dreams, going on and on about how he was there for her in the worst times of her life and he swept her off her feet. Oh no. But conversely, Chris would often appear in her videos, either like hanging around in the background or sometimes she would drag him into film with her. But he always appeared a little disinterested and never really seemed to be engaged. It was pretty obvious he was just doing it because she told him to. And she would also start to like kind of talk down to him in the videos sometimes. So in Shanann's own words, she was the dominant one, the high strung one in that relationship. And Chris was the sweet and calm one. He sort of took a backseat and just went along with whatever she wanted for a while. So three months before her disappearance, Shanann posted a video of her surprising her husband with a positive pregnancy test. And keeping up with their carefully crafted social media image, he appeared to be like delighted by the news. Like, oh, it's so exciting. You know, get those likes. Yeah, exactly. But at the same time that Shanann was posting all of these happy family videos, she was simultaneously sending text messages to her friend saying things like, Chris told me last night he's scared to death about this third baby and he's happy with just Bella and Celeste with a cry face emoji. Oh. Basically like, I don't want this kid. Yeah. That's what every pregnant woman wants to hear. And then she also sent a text that said, I grabbed his hand during the ultrasound and he didn't grab back. So he's clearly not excited. He's checking out. Yes, exactly. But not in the videos. And that's what the world needs to see, right? You know, though, what I've realized is the more people broadcast their relationships and, and not like mm-hmm. I, I post the pictures yeah, of like my husband a and I appropriate amount right right but the people that are like again trying to convince my queen my king yeah. oh my god he loves me so much oh my god oh, look at what he texted me he gave me flowers oh my god all the time yeah yeah and they're like sharing like screenshots of text no one fucking cares no one cares we don't want to we don't want to see it <laughs> and when I see that yeah. I immediately go Oh, you guys aren't happy. It feels like an insecurity. Yes. I don't do that with my husband. No. You don't do that with yours. No. Most people who are actually content in their relationship don't feel the need to get external validation from the internet about it. The only time I share screenshots of our messages is when he says something completely fucked up that's hilarious. And I send it to you. Right. Yeah, exactly. And we don't (laughs) post it for the public to see that we don't know. That's what's weird. It is weird. So in a twist that Chris Watts didn't see coming, his neighbor had a security camera on his own house that also encompassed Chris's driveway in the frame. So the neighbor came over to Chris's house while the police were there, and he told them that he would provide them with the footage from the day of if it would help. Oh my God, you know he just went and shit his pants. Yep, Chris is standing there and he's like... So again, we see the body cam footage of Chris Watts as this exchange happens, and you can see his face fall as he realizes that this is not going to look good for him at all. Oh my God. It's very hard to watch, but you can't look away at the same time. Yeah. So on the neighbor's CCTV footage, we can see Chris back his truck into the garage that morning and then loaded unidentified (gasps) objects into the rear that he claimed were his work tools. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Chris starts swaying and pacing while they all watch this footage together on his TV in his living room. Oh, this is, I'm uncomfortable. Yes. Oh my God. Yep. Then he begins to ramble about how it's just easier to put the tools in his truck that way by backing into the garage. After he stops speaking, he brings his hands together on the back of his head while he's pacing. Like, okay. you know, when people grab the back of their head, like it's usually a sign of like despair or stress. Yes. And he really is not self-aware at all. No, he's not. So he does this several times, putting his hands behind his head as he sways back and forth, looking around the room like, what the fuck am I going to say now? And he really looks like he's starting to panic. Another huge red flag that pops up in this footage is that a few minutes later, while the CCTV footage is running, Chris gets out his phone and starts texting. He's not even watching the screen. He's like distracting himself. He becomes completely disinterested in the footage on the TV and instead becomes engrossed in his phone. He's just disassociating himself with the whole situation. It is. It's like a a coping mechanism when you can't take the stress anymore. You're just like, I got to get out of this, but I can't leave because that's shady too, you know? Yeah. I'm just going to go load more shit up in my truck. Yeah. (laughs) Just going to run to the gas station real quick. Bye. (laughs) If your family has just gone missing and you are genuinely concerned about finding them, your eyes would be glued to that footage. Yes. Like, oh my God, this is so great. Maybe we'll be able to catch something. I'm going to look for every detail. Yeah. Something weird to like tip anyone off. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is so fucked. I know. What a moron. He really is. So Carrie Danes mentions that she thinks he's not watching the footage because if he looks at it, he will be forced to confront his own guilt and feel it. I believe that. Mm-hmm. Took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah. yeah. 
So when Chris walks away, leaving his neighbor and the police officer in the living room alone, we hear the neighbor tell the cop he's not acting right. He's never fidgety. He's never rocking back and forth. So the neighbor fucking called him out? Yes, he did. Dude, this... <laughs> and he continues as he points to the CCTV footage and says, if you look, he never loads his stuff in and out of the garage ever. All he usually has is a lunchbox and a book bag that looks like it's got a computer in it and usually a water jug. And that's it. The neighbor knows something's not right. And he's yeah. like, I'm not this. I'm not loyal to this guy. If he did something like this is fucked. Good for the neighbor. Though. I totally agree. Because yeah. how many people do the whole like, it's not my business. Mm-hmm. I mean, give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Fuck no. that. Mm-hmm. Listen to your guts, people. Yes. So the neighbor also says in reference to Chris's behavior, he never talks. So the fact that he's over here blabbing his mouth off makes me kind of suspicious. I love it. Yeah, I do, too. So just 24 hours after the missing persons reports were filed for Shanann, Bella, and Celeste Watts, Chris Watts agrees to do an interview for the local news station. Terrible idea. What a moron. At this point, I would think he would just quiet down yeah. and just kind of... I mean, you should. His, his mother-in-law, who you know didn't suspect him, I guess, at the time, advised him against this. She was like, this is a bad idea, but he did it anyway. <laughs> I'm actually shocked he didn't just like flee. He usually doesn't even speak like you. He's got to be just completely out of his own head. Mm -hmm. The reporter who interviewed him also interviewed several of his neighbors, and she noted that all of the neighbors, as well as herself, had strange feelings about what felt like a performance given by Chris Watts in front of the camera. That's so weird. Mm -hmm. Anytime Chris is asked a question during his interview, his answers are super convoluted and all about himself. Yeah. Shocking, right? That's what's important here. Uh Yeah. He rambles a lot and doesn't really answer the actual question. He eventually begins talking about how much he misses his girls, how they are his whole life, and how last night was absolutely horrible without them. But his face and mannerisms during this, like, speech he gives do not match his words at all. Again, he is swaying back and forth as he speaks. He doesn't show any emotion. He does not cry. His voice doesn't break. And the weirdest thing of all is that he's got this weird little half smile on his face the entire time that he talks. It's extremely disturbing. I need to see this. Yeah, you have to watch it. He looks like someone that's like reminiscing about the good old times, you know? Oh, that's... It's weird. That's creepy. Yeah. Yeah. If you're concerned about your wife and kids missing, I would not be smiling in any way, shape, or form. No. And if you thought that they were kidnapped because all of her stuff's still there, like, I would be horrified. Exactly. Clearly, he's not self-aware. Yeah. Whatsoever. Absolutely. So as he nears the end of the interview, he says... I just want them back. But as he says this, he laughs and smiles and shakes his head back and forth like one does when they're saying no. It's really weird. What the fuck? At the very end of the interview, Chris looks directly into the camera and makes a plea for his family to be returned. He says all three names, Shanann, Bella, Celeste. And as he says the names, he closes his eyes for long periods of time. He says, I need to see everybody again. And again, he closes his eyes for several seconds as he says this while also shaking his head. So Dr. Lansley, the body language analyst, calls the shaking of his head micro head shakes. And he says that he's making these micro head shakes as he's saying he wants them back because he knows that's not possible. Like, I just want them back. It's a subconscious thing, you know, that we do. Okay. And he also presses his lips together tightly after he finishes speaking, which Dr. Lansley says is an unconscious thing people do when they know they need to stop talking. Like, yeah. Or if they're worried they might say the wrong thing, it's like a self-shushing gesture. So he's like, stop talking now to himself (laughs) on screen for the world to see. Also, I think his body's a little slow because Mm -hmm. I think he should have stopped talking a long time ago. Yes. So after this strange interview, investigators obviously began digging deeper into the state of Chris and Shanann's marriage. They found that troubles had begun months earlier when Shanann took her daughters to visit their grandparents in North Carolina. Okay. So during her six-week stay... Shanann confronts Chris, accusing him of avoiding her calls and texts. And when she and the girls returned home, tensions only got worse. And remember, they're also posting on Facebook how happy they are around the same time. He began rejecting her sexual advances, and he just didn't seem interested in her anymore. Shanann became convinced that Chris must be seeing somebody else. She began texting her friend about it, confiding that she woke him up in the middle of the night one night and asked him, who is she? Who is she? Chris just ignored her questions, refusing that, that to discuss. Helps. Yeah, he <laughs> that, just refused to discuss the situation at all. What the fuck is wrong with him? It just shows that he would rather just like do a terrible thing than have a difficult conversation. Yeah. It's a level of emotional intelligence that is so, 
I just can't even understand or fathom how somebody can function this way. So less than a week later, Shanann left for her business trip to Arizona, the last trip she went on. And while she was there, she received a notification that the credit card she shared with Chris was used at a bar one night (gasps) with a $63 charge, which is quite a lot for someone who should be eating by themselves. And it's a bar. Well, like a bar restaurant sort of thing. But yeah. So she called Chris right away and asked what he had for dinner at the restaurant. And he tells her that he had a salmon and a beer. That's not $63. No, especially because Shanann, the little sleuth that she was, then goes onto the restaurant's website and looks at their menu. And she finds out that that literally should have cost around $30. It's clear that two meals were purchased. Right. So 36 hours after Shanann and the girls have gone missing, Chris Watts is brought into the police station for the interview. Yeah. They told him that they wanted to know more about the last conversation that he had had with Shanann after they had discovered all this stuff about their marriage. So in this conversation at the police station, Chris emphasizes how both he and Shanann were very emotional about separating. But again, just like he did in the news interview, he doesn't show any emotion about this. He doesn't signal any sadness through his voice or mannerisms while he's saying they were really sad. Right. After he tells the investigators about this emotional conversation he and Shanann supposedly had, he jumps right into what he did next. He says that he went downstairs and made a protein shake and packed his lunch. He then tells the officers every item that he packed in his lunch. <laughs> yeah. What it's, the fuck? It's as if he's trying to, like, account for every single detail. Well, like, it's going to make his story more credible. I, that's something. what I was going to say is if it has every detail, mm-hmm. then it clearly he's telling the truth. Right. Yeah. If, it, if I know every detail, then that's going to make it believable. During questioning, Chris was asked repeatedly if he had been unfaithful in the marriage, and he emphatically denied it each and every time. Is he... Dum dum. Oh my yes, he is. gosh. Because <laughs> that would be the time to just fucking own it, right? Like, yeah, I think so. Like, they clearly know. Do you think he was trying to set it up to make it look like she had killed herself and the girls, or that someone had, like, someone else, like, so was honestly, trying to do something to I them? really think he did not think it through. I think <laughs> okay, he was just going to go, they, they're missing now. And that then the, like, fate was going to take over from there and make everything okay. Oh my gosh. What we have learned and, I've done a lot of reading about narcissism and narcissists, narcissistic personality disorder. And Same. something that, yeah, exactly. We both have it. Yeah. Something that's pretty universally thought is that they really do not plan out their next step. Yeah. And it never works out as they plan and they never learn from that, which is strange. Well, because at least from what I've witnessed, um, mm-hmm. is it, it never, it doesn't work out for them because it's not logical. Exactly. And I yeah. think that because a lot of narcissists, all, Okay, no, narcissist in general, they live in a fantasy land. Yes. They live in their fantasy land. Right. And the rest of us are looking at them going, why the fuck would you do that? Well, and oftentimes we become infuriated because they somehow do escape their terrible behaviors. Because I just think most normal people can't wrap their head around why the fuck somebody would be so illogical. And they're just like, I'm not even going to touch this one. Yep. So several hours into questioning, Chris Watts like the dum-dum he is, agrees to take a polygraph test. (laughs) Okay, good. Yep. And here are some of the questions he was asked. Did you physically cause Shanann's disappearance? Are you lying about the last time you saw Shanann? He answered no to both of these questions. Of course. And after it was over, the first thing he said was, it's kind of hard to relax. To me, this is like a way of him trying to give some sort of backup (laughs) explanation if he failed. Like, I'm just stressed. That's all. Like, trying to already get that idea in their heads as if it's going to make a difference. Right. The female investigator who performed the polygraph, she leaves the room for a while, and then she comes back in a little bit later with another male investigator. Together, they inform Chris that it was completely clear that he was not honest during his polygraph test and that he did not pass it. Okay. The investigators then invite him to tell them the truth now that the polygraph has revealed that he was lying. And Chris doubles down, saying, I didn't lie on that polygraph. I promise. If he promises, then he, he must it, be telling the truth. Was it a pinky promise? That's really what we want to know. That's, yeah. that's a defining question. Well, and I will say, I mean, we've both taken polygraphs. They're mm-hmm. not 100% accurate. They right. don't really hold up in court. Right. So it's like a baseline. Yeah. It's like, let's, where do we go from here? And I think it's more of a tactic to instill a sense of like urgency or stress so that yeah. they do feel like they have to produce something now oh know? yeah because the moment i got hooked up i all of a sudden i couldn't catch my breath and mm-hmm. i don't know 
I had nothing to hide, but all of a sudden I was, it's stressful. <laughs> it is. It's really <laughs> stressful. Yeah. My point being is BTW, we had polygraph tests because we worked in a top secret job, <laughs> not because we are criminals. <laughs> yeah. We actually are just crazy bitches. Yeah. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. No, but it is stressful. But I mean, at the same time, I, I'm I'm going like, okay, so what are his options? He either declines yeah. and that looks bad or he agrees and thinks he can keep it together or like he's just going to find the willpower to get through it and pass it somehow, you know? I mean, no matter what, it's just a lose-lose situation. Yes, Maybe don't fucking murder your family, you that piece of shit. is the correct answer. So, just do what my dad didn't leave. <laughs> just leave. Exactly. <laughs> if that, if it comes to killing your family or just run into the grocery store, never coming back or whatever Susie's dad did. Do one of those things. Do one of those fucking things. Not the killing. No. Yeah. It's never the right answer. No, it's not. So he's trying like so hard to convince them that he's telling the truth and it's having the opposite effect. The more he like tries yeah. to, I promise, the more guilty he starts to look to them. What Chris didn't know is that the investigators knew before they even gave him that polygraph that he was lying. Oh, good. Because the night before the police interview, they had received a phone call from a woman named Nicole Kessinger. And that's her friend. Nope. That was Nicole Atkinson. There's too many Nicoles. Two Nicoles. Well, from this point on, we're, we will not be mentioning Nicole Atkinson. So the friend is gone. Nicole, we will be speaking out from here on out, is his mistress. <gasps> oh. Yes. Oh. So it turns out that Nicole Kessinger and Chris Watts were co-workers. And their relationship began at work and it progressed from friendship to romance pretty quickly. Nicole told the investigators that she and Chris had gotten very close over the summer and she had even spent some time at his house while Shanann and his daughters were away in North Carolina for six weeks. Okay. Again, like neighbors would have seen her coming and going. Mm -hmm. Well, and that makes it makes more sense as to why he's ignoring mm -hmm. his wife's calls yep. and starting to avoid her and the sexual advances. Okay. Yep. Men don't turn that down unless they're getting it from someone else. Exactly. Chris actually told Nicole that he was living in the basement of the home he shared with Shanann and that they were separated but not yet divorced. And oh. they were, yeah, and he told her they were getting ready to sell the house. So she wasn't even being a piece of shit. Well, oh. this is what she told investigators, and this is what has been reported on mostly. But there is more we will get to later. Oh. Yeah, I'm not so sure about her. We'll just start with okay. that, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But according to Nicole... Chris was also telling her that Shanann is bossy, controlling, and spends all their money, and that she puts him down in front of the kids. He is able to tell Nicole all of this stuff, but he refuses to have any of these conversations with his actual wife. Okay. Yeah. So I'm, from personal experience, I've had something very similar happen. Yep. And I found out much later what he was saying behind my back, and none of it was true. Yep. And... It was to paint him as the victim. Of course. And then that's how he got like sympathy. And it mm -hmm. wasn't until like everything kind of blew up that people were going, Ooh. they came to me going, whoa, yeah. shit's not looking good for mm -hmm. him. Yeah. I mean, it's never, it's never good when this is going on. If you're married no. and you're sleeping with somebody else and complaining about your wife to them, you're the problem. It's yeah. you. Yeah. And even if she was all of these things. That doesn't give him any right to kill her. No. It doesn't make her somebody that deserves to be murdered. No. Or well, cheated on, for that matter. No, but it's definitely him trying to play the victim. Yeah. And that, okay, I have multiple things. Mm -hmm. Maybe because- Let's hear it. Yeah. One, it's him trying to play the victim so that, you know, the other woman's like, oh, you poor thing. Yeah, oh, that's so feels terrible. I feel, and it gives him, it gives her a the ability to go, okay, I'm not a bad person now. Yes. And then the other thing is, I think it helps- him with the guilt of cheating on his wife yes. and breaking his family up because she's a bad person. Yeah, I'm doing this that's because what they do. she made me feel this way and she made me do it. Yeah, that's what the narcissists do. It's never their fault it's, for their own actions. It's everyone else's fault. No. Well, you did this to me, so that's why I did it. No, yeah. you did that because you chose to fucking do that. Yeah, you're that's just a dick. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In search of some luxurious bath and body products that will leave you feeling and smelling like a glorious mythical creature, Truly has got you covered. At trulybeauty.com, you will find an array of magical lotions and potions for your face, body, and even your shaving needs. Now, gentlemen, I know what you're thinking. This is an ad strictly for the ladies, but you could not be more wrong. 
Truly's products make for an excellent gift for the women in your life. I personally guarantee that all the wives, girlfriends, moms, and sisters out there will be delighted when you present them with a gift from Truly. Also, I've definitely caught my husband using my Truly products on several occasions, so there really is something for everyone. Their shaving supplies are seriously unparalleled, and once you try them, you will never go back. Truly's signature scent, Unicorn Fruit, is always a crowd pleaser, but my personal favorite is Glazed Donut. I've been using their body butters, oils, and shave products for a long time, but I just recently ordered some of their face products and I am super excited to try them. Visit trulybeauty.com and enter code SJM15 at checkout for 15% off your order. Again, that's trulybeauty.com and use promo code SJM15 for 15% off your entire order. After Chris is confronted about failing the polygraph test, he decides that he's going to go ahead and tell them that he cheated on Shanann. He is thinking that maybe this will be enough to explain why he failed the polygraph. Maybe What a moron! Yeah, maybe it'll be enough to save him. Like Because it's better to say, I cheated on my wife than I killed my wife and children. Right. And it's like, okay, I did lie. You're right. But it was about this thing that's less egregious. Yeah. It was just about the affair. Right. I didn't want that coming out to my possibly alive wife and kids. Right. The investigator said, we know you cheated on her. And they moved past it pretty quickly. Because they didn't give a fuck. They didn't. And instead, they focused on what happened to Shanann, Bella, and Celeste. And I think he really thought he was going to get them to talk about this now. And that was going to be the topic. And yeah. it was going to deter. I think so, deflect, too. I guess is the word I'm looking for. Yeah. But it didn't work. So that's great. Well, because the police don't give a fuck about your affair. No. They just don't. They that's don't. not illegal. It's not going to do they anything. They only give a fuck about your affair as a possible motive. Right. 100%. And now that they know that you have a motive, yep. they're moving on. Exactly. Thank you for confirming your <laughs> yeah. motive. When they ask, what happened? Where are they? Chris replied with, I don't know. I really don't know. I did nothing to those kids or her to make them vanish. Oh, very strange choice of words. I also want to know how he says those kids, not my daughters, those kids distancing himself. But I think that that's what I've said throughout this whole thing. You can tell he's just like disassociating Mm -hmm. himself from this entire. Yeah, he doesn't want to feel the feelings. No. Like, if he didn't want to have those tough conversations, just literally leave and don't come back. Yeah. Like, it's terrible, but it's better than killing them. That's for sure. That's a coward. Yeah, it is. So the female investigator then places a picture of Bella and Celeste in front of Chris and says, these are your baby girls and you have not shed one tear over them not being around. Yep. And Chris replies with, I love those girls to death. And again, he's saying those girls. Yeah. That's something that really stuck out to me. Like, not my daughters. I love my kids. Yeah. I love those girls. I think it's strange. It is. So after a while, when they're not really getting anywhere with him, the female investigator then asks, did Shanann do something to them? And then did you feel like you had to do something to Shanann? And Chris immediately replies, no, no. But dot, dot, dot. We'll come back to that. Okay. So with the pressure now increasing significantly, he asks the investigators if he can speak to his dad. And Chris finally begins to get emotional when he brings up his dad. He starts to cry as he says, I just need to talk to my dad. He flew across the country. So now you're emotional because you want to talk to your dad, but you're not emotional that your tiny daughters are missing and your pregnant wife. It's because it's it's about him. Right. So the investigators agree to bring Chris's dad in so he can speak to him only if Chris agrees to tell him what happened. So Chris clearly idolizes his dad, and apparently his dad and Shanann did not have a good relationship. He felt interesting. Yeah, his dad thought that she was like unstable, basically. <sighs> okay, and he didn't like her. So now Chris is presented with this opportunity to tell his story to someone who like might believe him and might be on his side because he doesn't like her either. So maybe he's going to believe that she could do something terrible or something. Okay, you know? yeah, yeah. So right when his dad enters the small room, Chris tells him that he failed the polygraph test. And he finally starts to admit that he had some part in the disappearance of his wife and children. But he doesn't admit full culpability. What? So when the female investigator asked Chris if Shanann did something to the girls and he did something to her after that, he initially immediately said no, no. Mm -hmm. But between the time that he asked if he could speak to his dad and his dad finally arriving, Chris apparently decided that this was a good idea and his story began to shift. 
Because now it looks like he could come out of this as the hero. And exactly. And he didn't Once think again. about this possibility. Exactly. It was almost like they implanted it into his brain and he's like latching on to yeah. it because, oh, this might save me. I, I, I literally I and can't I can't follow what he's thinking. I wonder if this was a tactic the police used or if they were literally just like trying to find anything at this point because they yeah. weren't getting anywhere. So a few minutes into their conversation, Chris says to his dad, I don't want to protect her. And we can begin to see that he's like latched onto the story that was fed to him earlier. Right. So he can confess to killing Shanann, but still maintain this facade that he's actually the perfect father. Right. And in another attempt to avoid consequences, he shifts the blame to Shanann. Oh, my God. Chris whispers to his dad, she smothered them. (gasps) His dad asks, did she kill them? And Chris replies, they were blue. He then continues to say, she choked both of them to death. I freaked out and did the same thing to her. Okay, if that were the case, why aren't you sad? Yeah, why aren't you freaking out? And why didn't you intervene? Or did you, are you trying to say you walked in after? Like this, none of this is making any sense. And why didn't you call the police? Because yep. if that's what happened, you could, I'm sure, I get off. into a rage. Yeah. Yeah. Like somehow maybe love the charges somehow. Right. It was self-defense. Yeah. I think I was next. Yeah. There's something you could say exactly. or do. But no, clearly none of that's real. And clearly he hid the body. So. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. All right. So his dad, clearly in shock, just says, oh, my God. Good God almighty, son. And he wipes his hand over his face. Like, he's very, very upset. This is the most emotion we've seen about this. And it's from his dad, not him. Well, could you shocking. imagine your kid grown telling you that essentially they just murdered their whole f- oh just the wife just the wife yeah, yeah. but just, your granddaughters are now i have dead. to wonder if his dad believed him in this moment or if he's just like i don't know what the fuck i'm or just just kind of shut down i don't know yeah so chris later told the police that he put the bodies of shanann bella and celeste in his truck and drove them to the oil plant where he worked he buried shanann in a nearby field then put bella and celeste into adjoining oil tanks giant oil tanks Okay. Yes. The police then immediately drove out to the site, and they find Shanann's body wrapped in a sheet from their bedroom. Then they discover evidence that Bella and Celeste are in these oil tanks, and they now have this terrible task of trying to retrieve and find these little girls in these huge tanks. Oh, my God. I know. So we also find out that in order for him to dispose of his sweet, innocent daughters in this disgusting way, he would have had to shove them through these eight inch round openings at the top of the oil containers. It's actually sickening to think about. Oh my gosh. It's just fucking brutal and vicious. How could you? So now that they've gotten him to at least admit that he's killed Shanann, the police continue to press Chris to admit that he's killed his own daughters as well. Well, at this point, you know that they're going, this motherfucker of course, did it all. They yeah. don't believe him for one second. No. And they're like, come on, are you really okay with the public believing that Shanann killed Bella and Celeste? She's dead. She's not here to defend herself. You know you did this. We know you did this. Are you really going to go out there and try to sully her reputation on top of after murdering her. Oh, like, he's like, hell yeah, I am. And when they ask again, so you're good with the public knowing that Shanann killed her daughters? Chris again says, yes, because I did not hurt these girls. These girls. Not my girls, not my daughters, but these girls. Okay. Again, distancing himself from yeah. his own guilt. The female investigator just stares at him silently when he continues to protest his innocence in the murders of his daughters. She knows. Yeah. And then the male investigator jumps in to say... What it looks like is that you found a new life, and the only way to get that new life was to get rid of the old life. I think that you killed these girls before their mom came home and then killed Shanann. Oh. So Chris then covers his face and just says, no, no, no. And then a few minutes later, he continues with, I am not a monster. I didn't kill my babies. Doesn't matter how many times you say it, dude. You did the thing. So even though Chris continues to insist that he was innocent of the murders of his daughters, Bella and Celeste, and admits only to killing his wife, Shanann, the police still charge him with all three murders. And they also charged him with the unlawful termination of Shanann's pregnancy, which is great. Oh, good. Yeah. Though he didn't confess to the murders of his daughters, he did end up pleading guilty to those charges as part of a plea deal in order to avoid the death penalty. Additionally, Shanann's family requested that the death penalty not be put forward because they didn't want any further deaths in the situation. Really? Yep. And they supported his decision to accept the plea deal. 
So on November 19th, 2018, Chris was sentenced to five life sentences without the possibility of parole. He is currently serving his time at the Dodge Correctional Institute, a maximum security prison in Wapun, Wisconsin. Three months after he was sentenced to life in prison, Chris Watts finally revealed to police the gruesome details of how he murdered his wife and daughters. What? That was my next question is yes. if we ever we found do. out we the get truth. We the story, yep. So in a nearly five-hour interview with investigators, Chris told them about how he smothered both of his daughters while they were in their beds. Oh my God, I hate him so much. Yep. Then he returned to his own bed where Shanann was still sleeping. She woke up and the argument ensued. Oh, wait, and this is the night that she got home from her yes. trip. Yep. Okay. So Chris says that he told Shanann that their marriage was over, and she responded by telling him that he would never see his daughters again. And he says that's when he snapped and flew into a blind rage and strangled Shanann to death in the bed they shared. But he'd already killed the daughters. Right. 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 So what the fuck was the blind rage? I don't know. He's trying to say that. This is why he did it. But you already fucking smothered the girls. It doesn't that make doesn't any make sense. It doesn't make any sense. So what Chris didn't realize at the time when he was killing Shanann is that his attempts to smother his daughters had failed <gasps> and they both woke back up. Oh, my God. Yep. Shortly after Chris strangled Shanann to death, their four-year-old daughter, Bella, walked into the bedroom clutching a blanket. Poor oh, baby. we are in the bad part right now. God, I hate this so much. Yeah, it's some gruesome detail. So uh, trigger warning. So she asked Chris what was wrong with her mom. Oh. And Chris told her that Shanann wasn't feeling well and she was sleeping. It's giving me like the creepy chills. It I don't feels like horrible. It. Yeah. yeah. So then he picked up Shanann's body off of the bed, wrapped her in a sheet, and pulled her down the stairs so he could load her body onto the floor of the backseat of his truck. He then placed both girls in the backseat of his truck right next to the dead body of their mother. Oh, and they're still alive? The girls are alive. Okay, so both girls... Both failed. Both attempts failed. He smothered them. They went to sleep. He thought he'd killed them. He did not. Okay. So he's driving them out to this oil plant where he works. Their mom is on the floorboard and they're sitting in the seats right above. Oh my gosh. This is like so... It's horrible. It's so fucked. It is horrible. He pulled Shanann's body out of the truck first and buried it in a shallow grave that he dug. The girls were watching as he did this and he recalls them asking, what are you doing to mommy? Oh my God. After he finished burying Shanann, he then strangled Celeste in the backseat of his truck with a blanket over her head as her sister Bella watched. He left Bella in the truck as he took Celeste's body to one of the oil tanks and forced it through the eight-inch hole at the top. God, it makes me want to cry even reading this it, fucking shit. It's so bad. It's so bad. This is terrible. He then returned to his truck for Bella, who asked, Is the same thing that happened to Cece going to happen to me? Oh, poor thing. I know. He told her, Yes then proceeded to cover Bella's head with a blanket and strangle her to death as well. Her last words, according to Chris, were, Daddy, no. Chris then took her body to the second oil tank and disposed of it, the same way he disposed of Celeste's. While in prison, Chris struck up a pen pal relationship with a true crime author named Sherilyn Cadle. Chris and Sherilyn exchanged several letters, and she even met up with him in prison while she was working on a book she wrote titled Letters from Christopher, The Tragic Confessions of the Watts Family Murders. The letters Chris wrote to Sherilyn tell a slightly different story than what he had told investigators during his prison interview. Okay. So when speaking with investigators, he had said that he went into the blind rage, like we mentioned a second ago. And okay. that's why he killed Shanann, right? So he, he okay, sorry. So mm -hmm. he had a, an interview with investigators already after he had yeah, been charged. So, so that was, yes. So they charged him. He, because you know, remember he did yeah. the plea deal, but like several months later, when I think it was three months later, whatever the investigators came in, they're like, we really just want to understand this. You're already in okay. here. What does it matter at this point? Tell And he did. He told them the story. And then he, then he struck up. Okay. Yeah. So now he's talking with Sherilyn Cadle, who's got a way of getting stuff out of him. Okay. Yeah. So, well, and honestly, it's probably an attention thing at this point. Yes, I'm sure it is. Yeah. And he's probably extremely bored. Yep. So he said that he'd flown into a blind rage and that's why he killed Shanann. But in the letters to Sherilyn, he admits that he had actually been planning the murders for weeks. You know what I find strange is, okay, so obviously this is the first time I'm really hearing this mm -hmm. story. I could tell it was all planned. Like yes. the fact that he thinks that he got away with yep. all of his lies, like it's so transparent. Exactly. I don't understand how, I, I guess all of it. he thinks that we're all idiots. He does. Yeah. So in his letters, Chris writes, August 12th, when I finished putting the girls to bed, I walked away and said, 
that's the last time I'm going to be tucking my babies in. I knew what was going to happen the day before and I did nothing to stop it. So he's like having this sort of like revelation to himself. Yeah. Finally addressing in his own mind what he did. He then recounts Shanann's murder in grisly detail, saying, Isn't it weird how I look back and what I remember so much is her face getting all black with streaks of mascara. All the weeks of me thinking about killing her and now I was faced with it. When she started to get drowsy, I somehow knew to squeeze the jugular veins until it cut off the blood flow to her brain and she passed out. I knew if I took my hands off of her, she would still keep me from Nikki. They asked me why she couldn't fight back. It's because she couldn't fight back. Her eyes filled with blood and she looked at me and she died. I knew she was gone when she relieved herself. I hate him. He's fucking horrible. All of this is to because he thought she was going to prevent him from being with his mistress. Just fucking divorce her. Yeah. And maybe like she'll be a pain in the ass until your kids are 18, like a lot of us deal with. Right. But, you know, someday she won't be anymore. And then you just live your life. And even then, it's not, she only can do so much. Like maybe she doesn't like you, but she can't actually do anything to you. No. And you have that choice to leave as a parent too. Fucking go move away with your mistress and literally nothing. He wouldn't even have to divorce her. He Mm -hmm. could have just left in the middle of the night with his mistress and moved to Mexico. So he mentions that the girls were awake to witness the horrifying events that transpired, stating, The girls were just kind of running around the house and watching me with scared looks on their faces. Bella started to cry, and when she did, Celeste started whimpering. What a nightmare this was. He later adds, You poor fucking thing. I know. He later adds, I realize now that the girls getting up and walking around may have been God's third attempt to stop what I was doing. Yeah. He also notes that his overwhelming feeling was being so mad that they were still alive. He was (gasps) mad that he didn't succeed the first time, that he had to now do it again. Oh, my God. Yes. Because I would think there would be some kind of like regret of like, oh, fuck. Right. You had many opportunities to step back and go, no, this is not what I'm going to be doing now. When discussing the disposal of his daughter's bodies, he writes, I couldn't believe how easy it was to just let her drop through the hole and just let her go. I heard the splash as she hit the oil. So he was just like, I'm done now. That like it didn't it was not stressful or upsetting for him to do that, which is where the fuck is your soul, dude? It's a bad, evil man. Yes. Yeah. In tragic detail, he recounts the death of his oldest daughter, saying, Out of all three, Bella is the only one that put up a fight. I will hear her soft little voice for the rest of my life saying, Daddy, no. She knew what I was doing to her. She may not have understood death, but she knew that I was killing her. It's just so fucked. It's it's disgusting. How do you just talk about this so casually, you know? Because he's a bad fucking person. Yes. So he mentions that he puts the girls' bodies in the oil tank so that there was no possibility of them waking up for a second time. What the fuck? So it's not even like a, let's hide the body. It's purely, I just want them dead. Yep. I hate him so much. It's incredible. It's like almost this thing where you can go like, okay, anybody's capable of this. Right. My neighbor could be this guy. I mean, my neighbor, probably not, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I do. Yeah. Nobody thought he was going to do this. And he, and he seemed like normal. You but know? we've talked about this in other episodes about serial killers. Yeah. Typically, people come out after they, you know, get charged or like get picked up by the police. And they're like, I never saw it coming. Yeah. And Well, and the thing that's strange with this is that with serial killers, usually they have some kind of precursor, some kind right. of like an indicator. He has no criminal record, never done anything bad or wrong, never given any indication that he could be a violent person. And it was truly just this other Chris that took over. That's, I don't know. I think that's would... what's like one of the compelling things about this case and uh-huh. cases like this is you you can't go like I could have seen this happening because right. he did this and this and this in the past. It just you know? seems so random. Yes. And in one last horrible detail about his disposal of Shanann's body, Chris wrote in the letters, when I dug the hole, it seemed a lot deeper than it was. As I pulled on the sheet, she rolled out and into the hole. I think she had given birth. <gasps> She landed face down. I remember being so angry with her that I was not going to change how she landed. So medical examiners confirmed that the fetus had been expelled out of Shanann's body post-mortem, something that they refer to as coffin birth. 
This is when the fetus and uterus are pushed out of the body due to decomposition gases within the bowel, increasing pressure within the abdomen. Okay. How is this not fucking registering? With I don't him? know. This is so fucked in so many different ways. I know. It's, it's truly one of the most disturbing cases it I've really ever is. read about. Yeah. So back to the mistress, Nicole Kessinger. She vehemently denies having any idea that Chris was planning to murder his wife and children. She told investigators that he had told her he was already separated and was planning to get divorced. But there are several interesting details about her story that don't quite add up. Oh, my God. So she apparently deleted text messages between herself and Chris and tried to destroy her SIM card before she handed her phone over to the police. You know what's funny? is I think these people um, severely underestimate technology. They really do. Um, once you send something, it's out there. It's permanent. Yeah. All of your Google searches, they're out there. Yeah. Yeah. So um, deleting something. It doesn't make a difference. <laughs> no, it does. If anything, it just makes you look more guilty. Right. She So she also insisted that she had no idea that Shanann was pregnant. However, it was discovered that she had spent a lot of time on Shanann's Facebook page which was riddled with posts about her pregnancy. No, ew. And that shows that you knew that they weren't separated. Right, exactly. Also, a 111-minute phone call between her and Chris took place on August 12th, just hours before the murders. And when the police questioned her about this call, she couldn't provide any information, claiming that she had forgotten what they had spoken about. How convenient. Right? Phone records also show that Nicole and Chris were in close contact the night before, morning of, and day following the murders. Oh. Yes, there's a lot that's just like, what? That kind of made me go like, oh, she's a bystander too. Oh, she might be involved. uh, Okay, so I'm not going to lie. When when she first popped up in the story, it was a, oh, she's helping police. Yes. This bitch is involved. Yes, I think so too. I thought the same thing. My mind went to those exact same places. And now it's making more sense as to why he got rid of the girls. Yeah. And I say this because if it was just him acting alone, mm-hmm. to me, it would be, okay, well, now I can look like the widow and she can yep. be the mother of my girls. Not if she didn't want them. If she didn't want them, he mm-hmm. went, that's fine. I'll get rid of them too. Right. Not a big deal. Exactly. Oh, he fucked. They both fucking suck. Exactly. So she admitted that she spoke with Chris about Shanann's wedding ring on the evening of August 13th after his family was reported missing and she advised him to pawn it. What? Wait. Why? What? So what, what he was just like, hey. Yeah. The ring. Yes. Like, what do I do with this ring? You should just pawn it. And she knows that they're and she missing. she knows they're missing at this point. Yeah. Okay. That would never be a normal person. No. She's clearly, oh my God. Yes. This is screaming Oh, there's guilt. even more you'll see. Oh no. She made it clear to Chris that she wanted to be the one to provide him with his first son. Huh. And uh, Shanann was pregnant with a boy. This, this, yeah. Mm-hmm. So she, I want to give you your first son. Those are her exact words, I believe. Her phone had pinged near his house the morning of the murders and... The description of a car matching hers was also seen parked outside his house that morning. Oh, my God. So she Uh was like there with the dead bodies. That's what I think. Or at least with the dead wife Mm -hmm. and the poor children who were terrified. Yep. And a search of her computer revealed that she was researching him online eight months before they actually met, (gasps) which is another very creepy, weird thing. Before they met? Yeah. So maybe they worked together, but they hadn't like talked or something. But she was like, this is the guy I want to have in my life. And he just has this little thing in the way called a family. Uh, This is more layered than I thought. Yes, it is. So also, one of Chris's prison mates said that Chris admitted to him that Nicole was actually the one who smothered Bella and Celeste and that she had also helped him move all three bodies. So was she with him at the site? Like, you know, I'm so confused. At this point, though, he has... Given three different stories, I think. So it's yeah. really hard to know exactly where the truth lies. Well, and it seems it seems like he's that person that like he's going to say whatever he can say to get attention. And also to make himself look better. Yes. If he can go, well, she's not here now. So what does it matter what I say about her? Like, yeah. oh, she did it. I'm still a good dad. See, you know, yeah. who knows? And if what he can shift was. the blame. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. Disgusting. So Chris admitted to having secretly given Shanann Oxycontin as well in an attempt to make her miscarry. And when what the, pol- the fuck is wrong yeah. with him? This was before the murders, obviously. When police questioned him about where he had gotten the Oxycontin, he had said it was a secret that he would take to his grave. It was Nicole. Well, 
When Nicole's phone records were later analyzed, they showed a series of three phone calls, one to Chris, one to a medical clinic, and then another one following that to Chris. When the police spoke with the medical clinic Mm -hmm. from the phone call, they said that they were asked how much Oxycontin it would take (gasps) to cause a miscarriage. There's like a lot going on here. There's a lot more to this. She was like not above killing a fetus. No. And I mean, whatever. It's not the same thing as having an abortion because you're not ready to be a mom. This is you doing it to somebody else. That wants the baby. Yes. So also Nicole has no alibi for the time of the murders. And since Chris Watts has confessed to the murders of his wife and children, Nicole Kessinger has changed her name left her job, moved away, and deleted all of her social media accounts. And now has a new social media account following her new target. Right. So some people believe that she may be in witness protection. Fuck that. No. Many believe she not only knew about the crimes ahead of time, but also actively participated in them. I think it's that one. Yeah. The more I research, the more I believe that as well. It's so fucked. So they couldn't charge her with anything, I guess. You know, I was talking to my dad about this this morning. Okay. um, And he told me that he read somewhere that she had accepted some kind of plea deal, like a plea bargain to not like be charged or some sort of thing. Yeah. Maybe she gave the cops some details. I don't know exactly what happened, but somehow she is not in prison. And many people are concerned that she was involved in this. Um. I would actually bet a lot of money on yes. this. I 100% believe she was. Oh, additionally, um, you remember the Scott Peterson and Lacey Peterson story? Where yeah. He killed his wife. She was pregnant as well. She So Nicole Kessinger had Google searched Amber Fry. That was the mistress of Scott Peterson. She <sighs> looked up Amber Fry's net worth. Did people hate Amber Fry? What Amber Fry book fuck? deal. Oh, she's also um, she also Google searched wedding dresses for two hours the morning of the murders or that what same the day. Fuck. Yeah. Like Mary, my my uh, my boyfriend says he's going to leave his wife type searches, like all kinds oh, of stuff like that. Oh, my God. Yeah. He was she was obviously pushing, pushing, pushing. Get yes. out of this. You know, I think the fact that she was like essentially social media stalking him before mm-hmm. they even knew each other is f- fucking weird. Yeah. But I also, I also think being oh. on Shanann's page is weird. Yes. And I also think that all of every detail that you just gave yeah. are huge red flags. Right. I yeah. want her arrested. Can I say for sure I think she did this? I mean, I can't. Maybe she, maybe it just looks really bad. It's possible. No. But I have a I feeling. Refuse. I have a feeling that it's not, it doesn't just look really bad. I have a feeling that it actually is really bad. I think it is. Yeah. And I blame both of them. Yeah. I mean, she's not innocent in this. She didn't believe that he was um, separated. All of that shit is a lie because Shanann's life was online and she watched it actively. Like she knew they were not separated, you know? Well, calling the medical clinic and asking that question. That's fucked as well. Yeah. I I mean, you can say all you want that you had nothing to do with it, but that's such a pointed question. That's not a, hey, random thought. The galaxy's pretty big. What do you think? No. Yeah. This is... (laughs) As directed as possible. Yes, exactly. And if you are willing to force a miscarriage on someone else, what yeah. else are you willing to do? Obviously, kill okay the two with children. That, yeah, she had no problem. So when you find out that she called investigators and was like, hey, I'm worried about his wife and kids. You know, he's a good guy. When she, So she made it sound like she voluntarily called them. What? Is true though, is that she didn't reach out to them until after the investigators already found out they were in a romantic relationship from the people at their work. Gotcha. So she's going, Oh fuck, they know. I need to get in front of this. I yeah. need to make sure that my narrative is what's the one they go with. I need to be the good person. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's all very messed up. She's still out there somewhere. There's like groups dedicated, to like, where is Nicole Kessinger? I like, hope they I, find I think I saw her. her here. Yeah. And if you're listening, I hope you get fucked. Yeah. All of that, maybe a few of those details. It's coincidental and you're like, oh, that's weird. Right. No. But all of them together? Yep. No, it's fucked. But anyways, that's that whole story. Um, I'm sure that, you know, he's, he's alive. He's relatively young. I'm sure that more will come out about this in the future. I would love to find out. I would love to hear him actually say her involvement for real one day, yeah. not just to a cellmate where you can go, okay, well, people just say shit in prison. You right. Know? 
I do wonder if they're in contact still. Well, he says that they are. So he receives letters from all kinds of women. And he believes that some of his letters are from her under different names. I don't know if that's just crazy person or he actually knows she's writing to him. I really don't know. That's so weird. Yeah, it is weird. All of it's weird. Well, it seems like she had an obsession with him. Yeah, it does. It's just, it's not normal behavior, even no. for a regular old shitty homewrecking whore. <laughs> you no. know, most of them don't go quite this far. No. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, well, that's that, that. That was uplifting. Sorry for this uh, sadness, but what are we talking about next week? Oh my God. Something just as shitty? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so obviously after this uplifting episode, I'm going to do another uplifting episode. <laughs> yeah. So I'm doing The Kidnapping of Colleen Stan. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also um, one of those stories that it's going to turn your stomach. Yeah. Um, and I know that like I don't get like that quite frequently when I'm researching this right. stuff. And this was one where like I like, felt sick. Yeah. So essentially uh, this couple kidnaps this woman and mm-hmm. she she's being held captive for like seven years and a good portion of that, she is kept in a very tiny box Mm -hmm. under their bed. Yeah. And so this whole kidnapping story became like almost like nicknamed uh, the girl in the box. Right. And it's horrendous. Yeah. When she was let out of the box. So the husband was really into BDSM Mm -hmm. and it wasn't good. And it was like not even like the, you know, borderline, this is kind of weird, but pleasurable no like essentially he tortured her yeah he was a sadist basically like he can call it whatever he wants but that wasn't okay um well i mean he kidnapped a person i think it's safe to say he was not normal bdsm is fine as long as both parties are consenting right what's not fine is kidnapping someone and forcing them into your weird fucked up torture fetish right and He had a wife and kids and... Did um, they... Well, never mind. I'll wait, I'll wait to find out. Uh, the wife was involved. Okay, I thought yeah. so. And I think the super fucked up thing was like nothing seemed to be enough for him. Like he started creating like torture devices and stuff. So that escalation, it always happens. It's always. never enough. So it's a, it's a really fucked up story and I'm yeah. really sorry. This is back to back, guys. Sorry, two weeks in a row. <laughs> we'll try to do something more lighthearted the next time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make it up. Yeah. Well, I'm great. Can't wait. Yeah. People suck, guys. They really do. Yeah. Don't trust anybody. Yeah. Don't trust anyone. Don't go home with anyone. Don't hitchhike. Never hitchhike. I mean, it's not in the 70s. No. More (laughs) 80s, I guess. Still, people still do that probably, but it's not as prevalent as it once was. I hope not. Teach your kids not to talk to strangers, all the above. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, email us. (laughs) I don't know how to transition this to happiness. We will not. We will just jump into it and it will be rough and that's fine. <laughs> Email us your stories, comments, questions, whatever at uh, sinisterjunkmailpodcast at gmail.com. Um, and I want to say thank you because we've been receiving um, yeah. quite a bit of like listener stories and stuff mm-hmm. and we love it. Yeah, we do. Keep them coming. Yeah. Awesome. We love hearing from you guys. Yeah. The best. And we're kind of just saving them up. We're not ignoring them. We'll yeah. read them once we do another um, like yes, true story. Yes, we stories. will. Absolutely. I yeah. think we usually reply and let people know that we yeah. got them at least. So yeah. yeah. Thank you for sending them in. We love them. And if you want to follow, like, share us, touch us. <laughs> Not that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can find us on uh, Instagram or Facebook. <laughs> I forgot what social media platforms are on. <laughs> At Sinister Junk Mail Podcast. We're going to go to bed now. It's late. It is late. And um, uh-huh. I apologize for letting you down again. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. We all forgive you. Have a great night, everyone. Yeah. Or day, whatever. And we will see you next week. See you later. Bye.